The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by Relola. The Relola app helps agents leverage their local expertise. Create a beautiful interactive map of everything you love about your community, from businesses to listings to local features. Share it on Facebook and your website. And it's free for all realtors in 2018. Learn more at relola.com. My passion is really team. I've never been individual. I, I've always wanted a team. And no matter what I do, it's, it's a teamwork. I don't like to do anything by myself. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 133 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for telling a friend. It's how we continue to grow. It's what keeps me motivated. Uh, And really, my main motivation is just finding out these wonderful backstories from all these people doing great things in real estate. And today, my guest is from Tampa, which is great. I get to stay local. Uh, His name is Ken Brownlee. He founded the Ken Brownlee team with Keller Williams. They're doing some great things, and I can't wait to get talking to him. So, Ken, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Bill, for having me. Looking forward to it. Ken's special has a special place in my heart because he was one of the first agents I met when I relocated here from Phoenix, Arizona. I had this obsession with seeing a gator. I hadn't seen one in a, the month that I'd been here. And Ken uh, grew up in the area. He's a native. And he said, oh, gator, come on, let's go out back. And we went right out back to a pond gator hunting. <laughs> we didn't find one that day, did we, Ken? No, we did not. No, <laughs> but we did try. Yeah, a we for tried. effort. And every, you've, you've tried multiple times. I think even other visits, you go, come on, let's go see. And so uh, I'm always grateful to Ken for, for first telling me how to handle seeing a gator and then second, trying to get my first gator to me. But um, and since then, on a golf course, as people had always told me, that's where I've seen them. It's uh, there. I've seen maybe four or five, um, ranging from three feet to pushing 10 um, on on a on the, on golf courses and it's it's thrilling and scary and all kinds of good stuff. But so Ken, yeah. you're you're from the area, and I, I guess you know for me, there's there's really these different zones in the Tampa Bay area. You've got Pinellas County, which is quite different than than Hillsborough County. Would you agree with that assessment? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely changes. Yeah. yeah, everything changes. And so um, you grew up in Hillsborough County. You live there now. You work there. To, to kind of um, maybe explain to the audience that's not from this area, you know, what, 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 what kind of, what's the makeup of Hillsborough County? Hillsborough County, um, out of all the counties, we were always like number three, Miami, Tallahassee. It, it was always Tampa was right there. It's, it's a mixture between a big city and small town life. The, when I grew up, city of Tampa always closed at six or seven of the weekends was closed. Now it's a thriving city. Pinellas County. Um, we always joke that was the next step before heaven for most of the folks. <laughs> right. That's where they moved. But, you know, the average age at that time was roughly in the 70s. It's it's 40s. Um, it, it definitely drastically changed over the years. But Hillsborough County, is, it's a it's a booming town. It was very big for Cigar City. So a lot of the um, Cubans that came over started, you know, cigars or Megan and Ivory. It was very popular. So it's still popular. If you ever want to go visit there, it's it's actually nice. It's one of the visits. Um, the a lot of the uh, bars for nightlife is, yeah. is there. Besides Channel Side, yeah, I agree. It's um, um, between Channel Side, Hyde Park, uh, which is next to kind of close to downtown, and Ybor yep. City. There's there's a great kind of this mix of the new and the old. 
Um, and that, that Ybor City, if I remember right, there's something like there were 200 cigar factories there, like in the early 1900s. It was a major source, right? Uh, um, for oh, the yeah. world, for the world, actually. Oh, oh yeah. And a few of them, I mean, it's like the fourth generation um, that, that are there still making the cigars. The buildings are there. Now, there's not that many like it used to be. But they they make them. You can go visit them. They have a few stores. It's it's great to go by. I'm I'm not a, a smoker by any means, but you can't help but go visit it. It's it's a great place to see. Very impressive. And you mentioned the different types of the small city, the small town. You know, out where you work and live, I mean, it really feels like you're out in the country, and you're just you know a quick jaunt down the Veterans or down I four to downtown Tampa, but it's very, um, you can be very rural if you want, right? Correct. Yeah, you can. It's, it's I guess if you've never been to Tampa, it's, it's a big city life. It's, it's great. You move 20 minutes out and then you have a nice rural area. Uh, I live in the, in a, what we call rural 30 years ago, there was nothing but orange groves in, around us. Um, when I grew up, it was really like South Tampa was popular because of McDeal the base, the military base. That's where SOCOM's based out of. Mm-hmm. And then it grew up Del Mabry. Um, and it was funny because right it, when we grew up, anybody that was from Lutz or Land O'Lakes, you know, we made fun of because that was the country. I mean, real country. And now, you know, million dollar homes, uh, massive businesses there. It's drastically changed. Where I used to ride my dirt bike is, is ma- you know, just a huge subdivision. And then today it just keeps pushing farther north, right? If you, you talk about this Correct. area, Pasco County is the next place. There's just buildings, houses going up everywhere up there. Yes. You know, exit 56, 54, and 52 are, are growing. Uh, the corridor down 301 and 75 is, is drastic. In fact, the Hillsborough County builder is, you know, pushing everything between 50th and, and 301 and wow. 75. In your childhood, you didn't have a team to root for, right? I mean, I'm thinking there was no football, no basketball, no <laughs> hockey, no baseball, no nothing. When the Bucks came, we still didn't have a team to root for. <laughs> but, you know, we tried. Yeah. We tried for years. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, but but you can say that all you want, but guess what you got from the Bucks eventually is you got a Super Bowl win, right? And that's, oh yeah, that's amazing because I'm a San Diegan. I've never experienced what you experienced with the Bucks. The Padres and Chargers have never won at all. So, uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you have your O and fourteens back in nineteen ninety six. No big deal. Well, you know, I was at almost every home game in seventy six, um, seventy seven, or seventy eight, seventy nine, and almost at every one. And it was a blast. It was the most energetic field you would ever be in. And even if we didn't win, I, it was amazing on how loyal every every person there was. Enough of the nostalgia. We'll, we'll move forward a little bit. But as you, <laughs> as you, uh, as you, you know, uh, move out of school, what what was your uh, what was your first real job? Because I find that most realtors don't do real estate first, and I think you fit that category, right? Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I guess I want to go back, back when I grew up. Uh, my dad managed this business, and he was the office, um, you know, the office manager for the for the the region for Florida. Um, but he would always build sheds for folks and doing the hammering and everything from the, the platform up. 
the foundation. It wasn't like you would just order it and bring it in. He would literally build it for some of the employees around him and so forth. I think I helped him on at least nine, you know, to help someone out. But but I always liked to do the construction. So that was about as close as I got to building. And then um, in my first time career, I guess I would say, I worked for a company that was a wholesale upholstery fabric. Uh, it would sell to upholsterers, decorators, designers, um, someone that wanted a sofa, you know, recovered or things like that, that was very popular. I worked for that company. We were the wholesale end. We sold to the upholsterers. Yeah, you would travel around the southeast or just Florida talking to well, clients? I, I actually, I covered three states. Wow. Um, I was probably the young, I'm not probably, I was the youngest person they ever hired in sales. I was actually 18 when I went on the road. Wow. And I covered Georgia, Kentucky, and Florida. Um, I grew to the third position uh, in that company nationally. Um, after that, I couldn't get much, any higher in the sales because the other two were so far ahead. They were great. Dan and Bill, actually. Still remember them. They were my nemesis from the uh, competitive <laughs> world. Yeah. Well, and but you're, good you're, you're uh, motivators, too, right? Uh, the people that were that keep oh, you yeah, going. Were, yeah. Yeah. So for eight years, I was on their tail just trying to catch them. And it was it was fun. So I, I did the upholstery. But but after that, I um, I actually was doing, I guess, in my 20s, I started studying finance and budgeting. There was a guy named Larry Burkett that was on the radio and he was on every every day, half hour. And I would listen to him and how to get a budget. And I always studied budgeting and financing. And, you know, because that was just a passion that my my dad drilled into me to save and work. And you can only do so much with your hands and work it, work your brain a little bit better is what yeah. he always taught me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that, did that take you down into the, cause you had a, a, a pretty long career in, in the insurance kind of financial planning industry, right? I did. I did actually, um, as I was doing the, the upholstery wholesale upholstery, I studied the finance and realized insurance. I paid a high-end price for an insurance policy thinking I got a good deal and I understood what I bought. And another friend, because I bought it from a friend, and then another friend came along and says, well, let me just look at it. And I let him, and he says, I can sell you the same thing and save you $100 a month. And I couldn't wrap my head around it. Why? Because I thought this was the way it worked. So I started studying insurance and I I fell in love with insurance. So I, I got my license and and insurance. I bought an agency, worked for a company for a while, then bought an agency, built built the company up, and loved it. I, I loved the property and casualty. They call it the PNC in life and health. Mm-hmm. And um, I got into that and did that. And as I was doing it, I just liked to buy houses. So okay, so that, you always had that. this. Yeah, you always had this real estate kind of. It was like it's often the periphery. It sounds like right as you're always moving through. Yeah, I mean, it was, that's great. Yeah. Somewhere along the way, but well, first of all, I have to ask you this question. It seems to me that the, as an insurance, you know, owner of an insurance agency doing that sort of thing, um, that sound, there's a real parallel between the way that business runs and the way that a realtor runs their business if they're running it like a business, if you know what I mean. Um, that mm-hmm. you've got to generate your own prospects, you've got to build referrals, you've got to do all those things. So, there's definitely a, a transferability, right, of the of the um, skills. Is that true? It is. It um, in the property and casually, a lot of that. If I, if you don't mind me talking too much, but 
in the property casualty, people have to buy car insurance and they have to buy homeowners. So if you could breathe and fog a window, someone's going to come in and buy it. If you if they liked you or not, as long as a premium was in their budget, they would buy it. I also did a lot of life and health and life insurance is, is not a product that people want to buy. You have to present and show. You can't make anybody buy anything, as you know. It, it's you right. just have to show them what they're looking for and how to help them get to what they want to, what they want. It's sort of like a drill bit. You don't really want to own a drill bit. You want it the whole, and, and that's life insurance. It's 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 not buying the drill bit. It's what the drill bit does for you. You know, right. cutting through glass or wood or metal, and you know what do you need to buy, and that, and that's what I learned in that field, is helping get what they need, not really you know me to quote sell something. But in the PNC world, the property casualty, people would just come in and buy something and then you begged them to stay as opposed to the life and health. You had to work to find them so they understood what a need was and then they stayed for life. Right. And you're in much like once again, I keep thinking about this real estate parallel. You know, a good realtor is a consultant who, who, you know, helps somebody achieve this goal of home ownership. And it sounds like when you're doing life insurance that you're doing the same thing. You're someone who's trying to help somebody achieve this, you know, sense of security, not a sense, the actual security that comes with that sort of a product, right? Oh, correct. <laughs> and that's just it. It's just, you know, people go, I can't afford to buy a home or I can't afford to do this or, and, and it's not that you're, you're having them overspend because in my background of finance, um, I don't want somebody to overspend, but you just go, well, here's the, benefit and here's the you know the benefit of buying a home and this is where you're going to get and how you're going to go because if you don't want to pay a mortgage and you're paying rent you're really paying a mortgage it's just somebody else's right right and 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 you just wanted to get there because you know my wife and I we were investing in homes while I was doing insurance and that's really where my love of of being a real estate agent came in very quickly um was this where your was this the kind of the aha moment? I mean, you probably like many investors, you probably thought, why am I giving up a percentage of this guy when I know as much as he does? And so why don't I get my license? <laughs> Is that how it started? <laughs> it really was. I was I was doing insurance and I moved into claims actually and working in claims and I would travel, but I would find a house, I would see it, I'd knock on the door and say, Gosh, it looks like you're putting your house up for sale. Are you are you thinking of selling? And they go, yeah, actually, we're contemplating. I said, well, I'm interested in buying it, you know, and let's, can we talk? And, and that's really where it started. I, I just bought a lot of houses. We we bought them in four counties. We um, had them all over. I would negotiate the deal, and my wife would write the contract, and we would put it down, and, and we would be done. Because you didn't have to have a license if you're buying by yourself, right? Right, right. But then, when, but then when we wanted to sell, we always hired an agent because – we knew, I, I know myself, when I want to get rid of something, I, it's going to be gone. And, you know, you offer me 50 cents, it's gone. Yeah, fine, walk away. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it, but I would negotiate the best deal for me to buy. Um, and that's where my love came in. And I just realized my business was strong. I, we were selling 12 townhomes at once. And I set the deal up and I put the deal together. And I asked an agent just to write it up. And she charged me this ridiculous fee you know, a $900,000 sale. And I thought, that's it. I'm going to go get a license. Where do you make that change? Where do you decide, you know what, I'm going to sell the agency and I'm going to do this full time? Well, again, we were buying the homes as an investment, a passive income. You know, I I guess everybody read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Mm -hmm. um, 
books like that. And it was just, you wanted the passive income. And, and so we were buying the rental homes as my passive income for retirement. So that was just it. I, but I guess we just slowly merged over to, okay, this is it, you know, no more. I'm, I'm not going to do insurance any longer. I love insurance. I can still talk about it, but, but the homes is where I want to be. I want to help people buy a home and sell a home and invest in real estate. And, and that's my passion. It's just helping people to buy and sell. Did you start with KW right from the beginning? Because um, I know you're, you know, Keller Williams now and doing some great things there. Is that the only place you've been? It is. It is. Um, it was funny because the first place I went was a brokerage just down the street from my home. And I thought that would be the easiest. I went in there twice. And the funny part was the broker never called me back. Um, I went to the third one and it was Keller and she interviewed me and I guess, I don't know. I always called it an interview and I guess, you know, brokers just take about anybody. Right. But, um, I went in and they said, yeah, Ken, you're, you're going to make it. You'll do fine. Come on in. And, and I started with Keller Williams. So I like to ask this question. So how, how, well, first of all, how old are you at this point when you become a realtor? Uh, 45. Yeah. So definitely, absolutely a second career, which is very common. But but also, you know, that starting over has got to be a little bit different. I know you had your own properties and that definitely could help because you could do things there. But how'd that first year in the business go? So a 45-year-old rookie, how did it go? <laughs> well, it was tough because, you know, the brokerage, I, I, I talked to the to the um, the broker, the team leader, at Keller Williams called them team leaders. And I said, I need to make an X amount of dollars. I can't can't just change jobs. This is a certain income I have. And, oh, don't worry, you'll do fine first year. Everybody does um, does well. You'll, you'll be good. But it was tough. I, I think I did my fourth deal by my sixth month, which I think was better than average, but it wasn't where I needed to be. But by then, I was, I was moving forward. I was staying busy every Saturday and every Sunday with open houses. I would do two on Saturday and two on Sunday. Uh, to build the business. I wasn't afraid of work and I knew I had to work. Um, like in insurance, um, I went back to that. The average agent would do one deal out of 10 customers, mm -hmm. one out of 10. And so I had, I just decided I'm going to get one out of 20. So I doubled my calls and I doubled my hits and I doubled my prospecting because I knew that I had to do, do what I had to do. And just like when I go back to the upholstery, you know, to make it in the business, you had to see eight to 12 customers a day. And I kept records. So when I did it, I said, well, if, if eight to 12 makes a living, then I'm going to do 12 to 15. If um, I'm in an insurance and it takes 10 to do it, then I'm going to do 20. And then I did the open houses and I would do four weekends. Um, and when I did that, I, I built the business and it grew very quickly. So because my first year I was doing pretty good, um, I was floundering when it came to the backside. So if people came up to me and says, well, you're doing very well, I'm thinking, you know, you really have no idea. I'm, I'm drowning because of education, I guess, is what the word would be. Because, you know, you're learning the paperwork or learning the file or learning the software or learning everything in the back. All I want to do is go out and find customers. You know, that's my job. So let me right. go find, find customers. Right. Hey, Keller Williams is, is you know, known for the education side of things. So you had the, you, you, you had the opportunity to learn all that stuff in the office. The problem was you didn't want to be sitting in the classroom. You wanted to be out 
generating revenue, right? Yes, because the 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 classes would say, you know, how to find a customer, or what to look for, or, or you know, how to prospect, you know, inexpensively, as opposed to paying some company to send you leads. Because any real estate agent should tell you their number one source should be sphere of influence or referrals. Mm-hmm. You know, all these other things that these companies advertise or want to send you should be your second niche. It should be maybe even your third niche, but your number one should be your sphere for you to survive. Um, and that's what they learned, but they didn't really, they did teach you on how to hire or how to leverage or how to spend your time on other things. It was just what not, I wasn't spending time learning. You've got a nice team going now. Let's talk about that process. How did you, did you have some people that were doing it in the company that could help you and, and show you how to do that? How did you yeah. how did you piece all that together? Were you just listening to a lot of really smart people? I was. Um, the one thing about Keller Williams and um, is it's an open book company. I mean, you literally can go in and see anybody's sales or anybody's numbers. It, it's it's on a website. You can click in and see who you're competing with almost. Um, and I went to the top ten agents, and I, on all ten, I said, hey, "I'm new in the business. Can you do me a favor?" Uh, if you were to start all over again, what's the one thing that you would do different? And I went to all 10 and seven of them gave me their advice. The other three, I didn't get anything from, which was fine. But I got those 10 folks and they gave me their information and I, I built my business based on what they told me. The question is, what did they tell you? What was the most common response? <laughs> common response was your database. Yeah, yeah. Work your sphere of influence was the biggest, biggest thing that they told me. They said, you're going to get too busy that you won't have a chance to work on it. I, I've really been focusing hard when I talk to realtors now too about a database, right? Because you think about it, it's the one thing of value you have. Because, I mean, that's the thing that can continue to generate revenue if it's worked properly, if it's cult, you know, cultivated and nurtured and all the things you're supposed to do with your sphere. Yet, so many realtors, and I know you know this, Ken, you've talked to probably who knows how many that couldn't produce it for you. Like, you should be able to produce that within about five minutes if somebody asked for it, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yes. And so, well, you, I'm sure well, that's a big focus of what you do now. It is now, it, it, but it's always been for years. I just never mastered it, and I don't think I'll ever master it. I, because I, I'll never be satisfied. I've never <laughs> have been satisfied. No whatever, whatever I'm doing, I, I want to do better. Um, but, but it's a never-ending process. It's a constant change. Um, I've gone through several software or CRMs, and they've all helped me. But, but at the same time, it's no business. I mean, you know, a dentist, a doctor, um, a plumber, electrician. It's a database. If you're to sell your business, or you're buying their database, you're buying their CRM. It's not. John Doe behind the desk. It's, you know, how many customers do you have? Right. Absolutely. So t- t- describe your team today. How many, uh, how big is it? And what are the roles, you know, that you have going on? We have 11 people. Um, the roles vary from a buyer specialist or buyer manager. Um, we have the listing specialist. We have administrative, uh, customer service, contract to close, uh, inside sales associate. Social media is what we're actually looking to hire now. So if you know of anyone that's looking to 
come in as a marketing man. It would be wonderful. Yeah, well, you're saying <laughs> um, it's the right place. Maybe, maybe we'll find somebody <laughs> for you. Yeah. Yeah. So the inside salesperson helps call. They they make the phone calls to the the sphere, the database, the the just listed or just sold neighborhoods. We have the um, administrative that they do the paperwork. They make sure that we're in compliance. We want to make sure that the Farbar contract or the the um, crisp is all matched because there's a lot of addendums that get attached and some agents don't ma- uh, don't um, match the right addendums because they don't know any better. So we have to make sure that they're done correctly. So we're protecting our customer. Then we have the marketing, which literally is making sure that this house is being pushed to social media, as well as follow up with the buyer's agents that have shown the property and see what we can do to get this home, not only on the market, but actually under contract. Our buyer specialist, all they do is work with buyers. They look at homes for sale. They see the market. They know what's going on. They have a pulse in every neighborhood. So there's literally a specialist on how to get the job done. And then the listing folks, they stay on top of how the market is going, if it's going up or going down, because it may be a solid year, but there's certain months that it does go up or down, you know, in the coolness, you know, like May for Florida in August, uh, when the school lets out or starts, it, it dies down a little bit. On Florida, our cold weather is 60 degrees. And, you know, as soon as it hits 40, it, it you know, stifles everybody. You know, right. up north, people can have 12 feet of snow and, you know, keep living. We we change. Yeah. We have to take off our flip-flops, you know, and put on socks. Yes, we do. Uh, it was a little so brisk around while we recorded this podcast. <laughs> it's uh, in mid-March, and, and the overnight lows were in the 40s, and people were freaking out. So, <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. it's awesome. <laughs> um, so let me ask you, so, you know, building a team and managing a team is not easy. Um, tell me, no. tell me the toughest part of the, of putting it together, but then also once it's up and going, what's your toughest, what's your biggest struggle now? Well, the funny part is, is when you're hiring you and you don't realize it, generally you hire somebody that's just like you, mm-hmm. you know, because you get along with you. And, and so you hire someone just like you. So my first hires. If you're familiar with the DISC test, the DISC, um, I have very little C in me. I mean, I am not detailed by any means, not even close. And then under stress or under workload, I have zero. I mean, absolute none. My drive to get the job done or to make sure everybody is happy in the deal, I'm working on that. And the C is gone. I just have none. So I need to bring somebody on to help me with the paperwork or make sure we're detailed so we, we're legal and compliant. Um, but I brought somebody in that was just like me, and they hated paperwork. But gosh, we got along great for six months. <laughs> so, so you're now six disc, months we had disc <laughs> test or mandatory in your interview process. I'm guessing, right? Oh yeah, we yeah. we not only do a disc, we do what was called an ABA or a KPA. And it's a behavior. It's not, it's not a failing or passing uh, evaluation. It's just something that we go through. So now we can come back and, and like, this is our second interview and we're going through the process. You find out about their personality and what they like. I mean, I can tell you people come in and say, oh no, I want that job. But in reality, they're doing that job because they just want the, the paycheck. Not really. They want a career. I'm looking for career folks. I don't want someone that just wants something for the next six months. And this behavior um, style really lets you know that. And 
and we get to talk about it during the interview. It's like, well, this tells me you like to do this. Yeah. And this tells me you like to do that and you don't like this. Well, this role requires you to do that. And it tells me you don't like it. <laughs> right. Is this true? And they go, well, yeah, but I think I can do it, you know, and you try it and you'll do it once or twice with somebody. And then you realize, you know, the evaluation behavior is true. Yeah. We, I we can change for a little while. I could see that on the escrow side, right? Where you've got very technical people, very detail oriented. They got these all out to be high C people to even want to go into that world, right? Um, right. To do that kind of a thing. Yet they're terrified of picking up the phone and making a cold call or, you know, um, having to go out to a, an office and talk to people live, you know? <laughs> so I get it. I get it how you, it's great that you're part of that process for you is so when you define a role, part of that definition is not just the job description. It's okay. What sort of person fits that? And let's go find that. Correct. And that's what we have to do. The first five hires, I didn't know any better. And I literally hired the first five just like me. So I'm working with somebody that doesn't like to do what I just hired someone to do, <laughs> you know, great. you know, and it was like, Hey, good luck. I hope you like it. Cause I know I don't, and they don't like it either. Well, tell me, tell me what's next for your team. And I, I, I wonder, you know, you've got a great operation going. My guess is if, is if business will support it, you would probably get bigger. Um, but, but what's next if, you know, for the current team, is it, is it, is it something different in technology? Is it, is it growth? Is it something else? We plan on doubling in size in the next uh, three years. Uh, we plan to triple in the next five. Wow. Um, my my passion is really team. I've never been individual. I, I've always wanted a team. And no matter what I do, it's it's a teamwork. I don't like to do anything by myself. I'm going to drag my wife to meetings if you know if as long as I don't go by myself, you know. And so when I go out and I meet with customers and they and they tell me they have this issue, I instantly go, I can help you and I can get you there. I don't like to leave somebody behind. So I can't help but grow because I think what we offer is very unique. You know, you have a team of 11 folks that's wired to do certain things and they're happy to do it and they're excited. They, they want to come to work and do what they're doing. And that is what makes it a blast. So Team-wise, we plan on growing. We have an office manager or operation manager that, that can oversee and help. Um, we're looking for a, a, a buyer specialist or a buyer manager to help with the buyers in training and arriving, as well as, as moving and going to the next counties. Right now, we are hitting the four or five counties around us, and I plan on putting offices slowly into there. I guess what's exciting for me is, is to keep growing. I, I don't want to be stale or stagnant. I don't plan on on being big for anything else except for helping others. I think what we offer is a total package from someone else. Um, there's a lot of great agents out there, and they all offer something different. I mean, with my background of flipping homes and buying and holding, I understand what's going to put the best dollar in the house and, and our our proposition for them is we come in and we help them fix their house. Um, we we see it and they want it fixed. We'll actually have it fixed and and actually they pay us back at closing. So if it doesn't close, I'm, I may be out of money, but we've never had that happen except one one time over the seven years. And and they're happy for it because now they got top dollar, and we're happy because we put more money in their pocket than what they were going to end up with. So to make your team that big, to grow two or three times, imagine having 30 people on your team 
um, do you mind sharing the CRM that you're using or is there another one you're going to have to get to, to, to kind of coordinate all that? Yeah, no, we just changed actually shortly ago. Um, for nine years, I was with a company um, called Top Producer, did great, mm -hmm. but I went with a company called Commissions Inc. Commissions Inc. Um, does everything and then some. It it does 10 times what I have ever imagined a CRM ever to do. Um, I'm still learning it. It's a never-ending course. I'm actually setting up a time to go to Atlanta for a full-time um, conference just to learn something I may not know. Oh, back at the headquarters, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I highly recommend it to anybody. The way you operate your your team, you know, obviously you're you're the rainmaker, right? You're the one who's, you know, um, investing in these tools, and you're the one who's creating, you know, the opportunities. And then you know you'll they'll they'll kind of go out to the different people that are salespeople in the field. Um, do you do you ultimately see yourself? you know, maybe not doing it yourself, you're just kind of running a group of people that you have you know, the ultimate trust and faith in? It, it I do. Um, the vision I have and not only the goals plus my business coach that I have is telling me I have to pull myself out. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't tell you how, you know, when somebody has to sell a home or they want to buy a home and you know the the old saying is um, if you only, if you only have a hammer then everything's a nail. Mm -hmm. In my toolbox, I have so many ways to buy a home and so many ways to sell a home and and building it to to get somebody across the line is is my passion. So I'm teaching anybody on my team how to buy and how to sell, also to invest so they can set up a retirement account. Um, I think property in real estate is the easiest and fastest way to build a retirement plan. And anyone that owns a home, when I go and meet with somebody that has to sell, I actually ask them, do you have to sell? And why are you selling? Have you ever thought of making it a rental? I don't make money when they rent, but you know, I am trying to get people to where they want to be. So for me, yes, I'm going to eventually slowly come out as much as I love to stay in it because I want to help people get to where they want to be. I realize that if I can leverage my knowledge to others, then we can go out and help a lot more people. Ken, that's great. I love hearing um, the passion in your voice when you talk about what you do and how, how much you love what you do. And um, and I've had you here way over the half hour I asked of you. So I'm going to ask you the final question. You kind of addressed it a little bit earlier, but this question I've asked every single podcast guest, all 132 previous guests. And so no pressure, but <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't use any of their answers. You have to be unique. So good luck. Right, here we go. Uh, okay. If you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? If you're selling lakefront property or pond, uh, be careful of the gators in the backyard. <laughs> okay. But, but, but I would uh, honestly, I would work on your CRM and your database and get the knowledge. I mean, I, those are so vital. I, I wish so many people would just study and learn and then get out. You just have to get out and work. Ken, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I'll give you my cell and also give you um, my email. My, and I'll repeat them both twice. The cell number is 813-767-4673. 813-767-4673. And my email is my name, Ken at KenBrownLee.com. And that's spelled K-E-N. Then the color brown, L-E-E dot -E -E com. 
Awesome. Ken, thank you so much for sharing uh, some time with us today on the show. Uh, I really love what you're doing. I think, um, like I said, you're one of the, you're one of the real authentic, um, people in the business that, that gives the business a great name. And, uh, it's really been a pleasure working with you and knowing you. Well, thank you, Bill. Likewise, actually appreciate everything you've done.